Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. If you're a parent, you know all too well that the demands of raising a child are, well, let's say constant and varied. Uh, there seems to be an endless line of responsibility. And as we'll find out today, there are certain things that you have to account for in the unfortunate case that you are not there to see that process of raising that child through to completion. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And today we return to the topic of family law as we discuss the importance of planning for guardianship of minors. We'll talk with Attorney Brian Warrens of Lavelle Law and learn more about uh, this, I think, critically important topic. Now, Brian is, is well-versed in guardianship through his work in the uh, family law space, so I think we're going to be well-guided through the conversation. So good afternoon, Brian. Uh, thanks for taking time to be here today. Yeah, good afternoon, Jim. So when we talk about guardianship, um, are we generally referring to the responsibility of, of raising children in the event that parents pass away or potentially are incapacitated in some way? That's correct. It's um, who you know. Typically, when when you have obviously a two-parent family, the the other spouse is going to continue to be uh, a guardian should uh, one spouse become incapacitated or disabled. Um, but you know, it's very important to have a, a line of succession about who's going to you know take care of your kids and and potentially. Um, if assets are, are left outright to them um, via maybe a beneficiary designation or, or under your will, who's going to manage the money through them? And guardianship is is the court process by which that happens. Okay. Yeah, and there's, there's um, boy, a lot of different angles I'd like to, to take on this one, so we'll kind of work through them here. It seems, you know, first of all, there, there's there's several point, important points that I think need to be made um, and among them, you know, selecting a guardian is, is an active process that, that, you know, parents have to be aware of. Now, no one likes to think of, of the conditions that that would require, but, but nonetheless, as you just said, it's, it's sort of a court process. So unless specific directions are left behind, is it truly up to the courts then to decide who cares for the children? That's correct. Um, you, you, have, you need to, you know, nominate to let the court know what your wishes are in regards to a guardian. Otherwise, um, it could be, you know, just about anyone who um, petitions a court to become guardian for a kid. The requirements are are pretty minimal, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a family member, which is, you know, good potentially if, if you know, you do not necessarily want a family member to uh, be the guardian for your kid, but it also, you know, leaves it open to someone who you don't potentially want to be in charge of your kids being in charge requirements yeah. about you know who could be a guardian i mean it's it's really you just have to be 18 a resident of the united states you know not of unsound mind not disabled and and generally not convicted of a felony hmm. okay so parents have you know can as you said go outside the family if needed they have family members to choose from and it and it sort of leads to you know another point whereas you know, a grandparent or a sibling of the parents may think that they should be the ones to step in. If the parents have designated someone else as a guardian, it, it certainly eliminates conflicts between those various parties and uh, potentially even, even court battles. Because if I heard you right, 
if there is no designation, then different people can petition and say, I should be the one, and that, that could wind up in, in a sort of a ugly court process, right? Yeah, I mean, you could you could be in a situation where there are a bunch of people vying for, for that petition, or for the position of, of being a guardian and petitioning the court. Um, and, you know, it, it's important to note that an, a nomination is not an ironclad guarantee that a person is going to become a guardian, but courts will, will weigh it very heavily. You know, if you... Um, Make a nomination, such as uh, throughout through your will, which is a, a typical way to nominate who you would like to become guardian. Okay, and uh, that's actually going to be my next question. There, you, you mentioned the will. You know, what are the correct estate planning tools that need to be used to designate and, and solidify the guardianship decision? So we commonly do it via will um, instead of a separate separate document. Um, so that's naming, you know, who in 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 order whether you want uh, to nominate co-guardians, two people at the same time, or um, a, a number of people if if uh, previous uh, nominations can't can't do the job. Um, and if you you know if you want to kind of keep money that you're leaving to your kids outside the court process and outside of the accounting process, that is, is sometimes part of that. You may may wish to also have a trust, um, and the trust isn't necessarily where the nominations for your guardians are going to occur, but they'll contain the rules um, and then you know the people who will be in charge of the assets for your kids and, until the ages that you you want them to get access to assets. Um, otherwise, if if an asset is just outright left to a, a child, um, it'll be generally locked up in a restricted account. Um, only accessible via court order and a, and a guardianship and, until the child turns 18, at which point they'll gain full access to an asset. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of different things we just Yeah, a lot of detail on that one. <laughs> yeah. But let me let me come back to a couple of minutes. But before I do that, I, I just, you know, I had a thought here. We're talking about the parents, you know, designating who they want and the court process and different people potentially weighing in. But let's back up in the process. Before someone makes a selection of who they want to be the guardian, does it make sense that they sit down and have a conversation with those people first and, and talk about what the expectations are and make sure that they are willing to take that role on? Oh, 100%, Jim. That, that's that's an excellent point. You you certainly want to nominate people who you know are going to share values um, with you and who are going to you know um, raise your children as as you would you would want them raised and and you think we'll we'll, we'll do that. Um, and it's it's not something um, that someone should certainly be surprised by because it is not a job that someone you nominate has to accept. So it's it's good to have that conversation to know if they'd be willing to accept the position and, and willing to do it um, as you would. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have those discussions um, and, and as we talk about this in, in general terms, are there specific roles and responsibilities that are assigned to a guardian or is it simply raising the child in, in you know their best interest I mean there it's it's honestly it's there's there's no sort of um set standard that you have to follow it, it it's typically a, a best interest of the child standard you know do what's going to be in their best interest per promote their development um and you know keep them happy and hopefully a productive member of society. Yeah. 
Now, we're, we're talking with attorney Brian Warrens of Lavelle Law. Uh, he's been kind enough to set some time aside here on a, on a busy day to join us on the podcast. He's, he's part of the family law practice group at Lavelle Law. Uh, he's got a great deal of experience in, in matters such as the one we're talking about today. Now, if you visit LavelleLaw.com, you'll find Brian's profile, and, and below his photo is a link to really a, a number of diverse articles he's written on topics like this. I, I think you'll find some of great interest, um, and a lot of different topics get covered there. But let's focus on our topic for today, Brian. When you, you talked about the situation in which a guardian has not been designated. In that instance, how does the court determine who the guardian should be? What sort of process does the court follow? So the, the process will be that um, a, a, a potential guardian will re- retain an attorney in most cases to prepare documents. You know, a petition to appoint guardian is, is one such document where you're saying to the court, you know, I would like to become the guardian for this this child. Um, after the petition is filed, the court will kind of do a little due diligence before that hearing on the petition comes up. They'll they'll perform a background check um, to kind of look into you know potential criminal history um, and any other um, negative matters maybe that have come up with a potential guardian. And uh, you also have to give notice to the immediate family members of. Uh, the the child, you know, all the way up to paternal, maternal, grandparents, if if they're still living, um, to brothers and sisters that are over 18, and um, everyone just kind of has to has to know that this this process is moving forward. Now let's let's differentiate here because there's the process of having the responsibility for raising the children, but you know if the parents are out of the picture before their children reach adulthood. There's going to be costs associated with raising those children. And in some, maybe most cases, I assume the parents will have left behind some assets. You mentioned this earlier. Do the guardians naturally get control of the assets to provide for the children, or, or does that have to be addressed uh, separately in those in those estate plan documents? So, so typically, we would we would maybe address them separately. We would not necessarily want that to assets left to a child to be part of the guardianship process because that does add to the to the expense. Um, there's an annual accounting requirement to the court and, and um, a budget that you must follow if you want to use assets that are left to a child for that child's benefit. And the court is is very vigilant about that process. Um, because the goal generally is if, if the asset is, is left outright to, to the child, the court wants to make sure that as much of it as possible um, goes to the child upon them turning 18, it, you know, to kind of create more flexibility and to keep the management of assets um, outside the court process, but still creating that fiduciary obligation that the assets have to be used for the child, we would typically do that um, via revocable trust. And I've heard you mention a couple of times the age of 18. Is that the point at which uh, guardianship ends? I know sometimes when we've talked about custody and other matters, it's 18 or the end of high school. What, what's the demarcation point here? So, I mean, that that is the, the important distinction between um, a guardianship for a minor versus, you know, a guardianship perhaps for a disabled adult is by operation of law, guardianship of a minor terminates upon that child turning age 18. 
Okay. And and what happens then? What happens at the end of uh, the guardianship? Is it sort of um, uh, the end of the relationship from a legal process, or is there some sort of unwinding that needs to take place at that point? To the extent that there is some sort of um, an ongoing kind of budget and accounting, those matters need to be wound up with the court. But um, otherwise, the the relationship, the ability to make the decisions, um, that's entirely in, in the child's court upon turning age 18. Okay. And as as we kind of wrap things up here today, let's talk about parents right now who may have young children or, you know, even kids who are a little bit older but have never thought about this or taken action. You know, what, what should parents do to get started right now? How do they get the process going? Well, just just meet with us. Um, contact Lavelle. Ask to speak with, you know, one of our estate planning attorneys, and and we'll we'll put those those planning uh, considerations into effect, and and we'll discuss, you know, who may be best suited to the task, and and what the overall goals that parents may have for their kids in terms of, of you know, when they'll have access to finances, and and how they would like them to be supported as they grow. And then. And just to make it clear for for people who might you know be thinking about this, if parents designate guardians when when children are are young as they should, um, they can still go back and perhaps change their mind or select new guardians if conditions warrant it later. This is not locking them into anything at any time, right? Absolutely not. It, it, this is a somewhat of a fluid process, and those those names, those people do change, and they are we can absolutely accommodate them. Well, I want to thank uh, Brian Warrens for accommodating us today. It's been great to have him with us, and we're going to let him get back to uh, work as uh, a member of that uh, family law practice at Lavelle Law. So thanks to Brian. Uh, And as I mentioned, uh, you can find a lot of information about Brian, about the practice, and and a number of topics. Uh, If I could just point you over to lavellelaw.com. Plenty of information there. And uh, an an excellent collection of articles and videos on this topic and and many others. So, as Brian said, if you need a follow-up, perhaps a free consultation, you can call 847-705-7555. And that's it for today. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.